Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close, if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Well, it is here, and we are thrilled to be back for the 2018 football season. You know that the real games, the actual games, not just the preseason, but the real games are close because this show has returned for year number four. I am your somewhat capable host, tanned, rested, ready. I would have loved to have played more golf, but just didn't work out for this go-around. He is also refreshed, I think, and raring to go for another year. He is the senior handicapper from VegasInsider.com, one of their lead writers as well. The information guy, the the brains behind the numbers on this show in a lot of cases. He is Kevin Rogers. I've missed you this summer. How are you? It's going to talk to you again. What do you say, year number four of Can this you show? believe so we're, that? We're seniors now, I guess. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I don't know if we get to graduate or if our grade point average is like uh, uh, Animal House. 0.0, 0 yeah. Mr. Blutarski. I'm not sure which. My thing is they've asked us back for another year. Uh, it's like the key card still works in the door. They still you, you can still access the parking space. We like that about coming back here on Three Dog Thursday. Yeah, and I know we wrapped up last season with the March Madness and the college basketball, which is always fun, but it's, it's good to get back to football where we have that for the next four months and change with the NFL, with college. So uh, really looking forward to getting back on track with that. Yeah, no doubt. Our thanks, by the way, to our friends at RadioInfluence.com. We're back with them again, whether you're hearing us through there, whether you've subscribed, and if you haven't, do so already on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. You can also find us on Radio Influence's TuneIn channel as well. Those are the ways to find the program. Uh, we also have some new sponsors that are coming on board. You'll hear about one of them here in a little while. We've got some other special guests on this preview show. I'll tell the audience, uh, Kevin, I'm going to say this a couple of different times uh, just because we have to qualify things because whenever they're hearing the preview show here in August, something may have happened. So if you are hearing this show, we are taping it in the middle of August here as preseason football has just gotten underway and also kind college football they're having practices etc for example kevin if they are listening and they know that jalen hurts of alabama has now upped and decided to transfer and leave and we start talking about alabama in this show and talking about him you may know that because it happened since we taped the show we don't know that if if something happens to one of the rookie quarterbacks that we're talking about in a preseason game and he gets injured again this show is going to live on here for a little while in august as a preview show they may be hearing something and there may be a significant injury or development and these things always come up don't they kevin at some point here in august there's going to be something happen with an injury or somebody leaves or somebody's holding out or you know something happens uh it's just part of football coming back around for another year contract holdouts injuries uh transfers defections those kind of things happen Yes, and and obviously, if if Sam Darnold tears an ACL for the Jets and we're talking about him and you know he tore his ACL, 
then you know that we know that probably too, uh, <laughs> because we're not going to keep re-editing the show every single day if, if things happen, like you said. So, yes, we know, you know, and then once we get towards the season every week, obviously it's going to be a little tighter window of news going on, so we'll all be updated on it. Oh, no doubt. So we don't have the flux capacitor from Back to the Future to go back and, and redo the show? We do not have that this season as of well, yet. Well, we do. We, we, you can. I mean, we do have it, but I don't know if we're going to stay on top no, of it. Like probably that. not. Well, I don't have the DeLorean is what I was getting at. They don't make them anymore, and we can't go 88 miles an hour or whatever it was in the parking lot to go back in time. Uh, and do this. Okay, so with all of that being said, there is pro football conversation first. I want to I want to break this up into a couple of segments uh, with you. Uh, and by the way, we're going to have other guests on this preview show as well. We're going to talk some more specifically about injuries as the show goes on during the year, during the week. And I'm going to introduce you to somebody that's going to be on with us periodically, especially when there is a significant injury that is part of the Fantasy Doctors uh, website. Uh, he is an orthopedic surgeon out of Duke University in North Carolina, does a fantastic job. He's a big Dallas Cowboys fan also. Uh, so Dr. Seelan Parekh is going to join us a little bit later on the show. And i got a couple of other surprises here on this preview edition on Three Dog Thursday a little bit later on. But let's let's begin with NFL. And full disclosure, I obviously work, if people know my background, in and around the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their radio broadcast, and the Bucs are already uh, in the throes of training camp at the time that we're talking. They're practicing with the Tennessee Titans. They're going to play them. They're going to play the Detroit Lions on national tv on cbs coming up um so bucks training camp is underway kevin is in south florida is in and around the miami dolphins but whether you're talking about green bay whether you're talking about phoenix or seattle or new york or dallas and kansas city in the middle or back over to cam newton or back out west uh to sean mcveigh and the rams football everywhere um, and even in Cleveland let's begin there there's a lot of attention around the Cleveland Browns because of the HBO Hard Knocks show now first things first I I am a fan of this show and have been uh, since its inception I, I was in and around and watching all of it up close last year when the Buccaneers were featured on Hard Knocks for the five episodes HBO and NFL films were around 24-7 with all the coverage of training camp so now it's the Browns as the subject uh, for this year. First of all, you do not have HBO. You are HBO free, so you largely stay away from the hard knocks. Is that correct? You only see it here and there or hear about it, right? Yeah, I only see the highlights that are put on. And I mean, I guess, I don't know if the one question you've asked me, you know, are you surprised the Browns are on there? And <laughs> frankly, no, because they are intriguing, even though they've won one game the last two years. There's a lot of intrigue because. A lot of people think they'll be better. They want to see a train wreck. They have the number one pick and Heisman Trophy winner uh, vying for the quarterback position, the starting quarterback spot. They brought a lot of new players in. So I can understand why Cleveland is on there. But I also think to a certain extent that this hard knocks, you can pretty much put any NFL team on there because it's the NFL people will watch. Yeah, that's true, and and the access that they are given and the things that you're going to see on this show are part of the draw, and it's part it's part of what makes it um, so interesting. And you know, one thing that is rather obvious, uh, Hugh Jackson is under the gun big time, and he should be. You mentioned one and thirty one right now in the last two years, and and there were a lot of people that believed he was going to be fired after an zero and sixteen last season, uh, but he was brought back for another year. You can already 
already see on the show. And some of this, they play to it. Uh, you know, they have hours and hours, hundreds of hours of things that they're taping and interviews with players, etc. But you can really see that there is friction building with Hugh Jackson and his staff and Hugh Jackson trying to get control of his players and the losing culture. So the train wreck word that we keep coming back to may have a lot to do with the coaching staff uh, as well in Cleveland. Are, Are you a believer that Hugh Jackson can get this turned around where they can at least be decent at some point? Or is it an inevitable thing here that this is his last year and he's not going to be able to turn around just overall? What do you think? I just don't know how you go one in fifteen and keep your job, and then go zero and sixteen and still keep your job. Like that to me is beyond comprehension. How TJ, you can go one in thirty-one. I can go one in thirty-one coaching the NFL. Seriously, any of us can do that. Like, my line, if I can for- interrupt, if my line is he only won one more game than you and I won, or anybody else exactly. won. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you know, you talk about losing a locker. Like, there's no way you have a cohesive locker room at zero and sixteen. There's no way you have a cohesive coaching staff. And I understand they brought in Todd Haley as their offensive coordinator. They brought in Greg Williams as their defensive coordinator, guys that have been around. But also, Todd Haley's had his issues with players over the years. Greg Williams was suspended for throwing bounties out when he was the defensive coordinator of the Saints. So you've already got two combustible parts that are in there. And I can understand why the players wouldn't respect Hugh Jackson. Would you respect a guy that went 0-16 last year? I don't care about what the talent is. This is the NFL where it's built to be equal. This is a league. This is not Major League Baseball where you don't spend a lot of money and you lose or basketball where teams are tanking. In the NFL, this league is built for you to be a 6-7 win team at worst, not to be 0-16 where it's the second team ever to go 0-16 since the 16-game schedule. So – Yes, they made a lot of moves in the offseason to try to bolster themselves, both from a personnel standpoint and a coaching standpoint. But my goodness, I mean, yes, they won four games. It's a massive improvement. But just the whole thing looks bad, and I think that they needed to go a different direction because how do you go back to the same guy that didn't win a game last year? Yep. And again, full disclosure, Buccaneers will host the Cleveland Browns in October, so I'll be around all of this. The question becomes, will Baker Mayfield, the number 1 overall pick, Will he be the quarterback by then? Uh, they did trade for Tyrod Taylor from the Buffalo Bills and, and acquired him. Just real quick on the quarterback dynamic, uh, how shocked would you be if Baker Mayfield is the starter at the beginning? That's They're going to play Tyrod Taylor at least at the beginning, aren't they, Kevin? I would think so. I'd, I'd be shocked if Baker Mayfield started the season. I mean, really, there's no reason when you have a capable quarterback in Tyrod Taylor and I don't know if he was mismanaged in Buffalo. We saw that debacle with Sean McDermott when he brought in Nathan Peterman in that Charger game, and he threw six interceptions or whatever it was in the first half of that loss. Then (laughs) Tyrod came in the next week and won at Kansas City. So, obviously, Tyrod is a decent NFL quarterback. He's not elite, but he's not terrible either. i got to believe that he would start the season and then ride it out with him until it doesn't work out and then – bring up Baker, I mean, there's really no reason to rush Baker Mayfield in. I mean, you have him there. He's still young. You might as well go to Tyrod Taylor. But, uh, yeah, it's a very curious situation with a lot of things they're going to do. But I got to believe that Tyrod Taylor, low interception quarterback, uh, he led Buffalo to the playoffs last year, that he's got to be the guy, at least for now. 
And I saw Tyrod Taylor at field level with the Bills back last October beating the Buccaneers. And he, LaShawn McCoy was good in the game running the ball, but Tyrod Taylor made three or four huge throws for them. He is, it's not as if he is incapable of being able to help them. And one more angle to this, speaking of your Dolphin relationships and degrees of separation, Jarvis Landry ends up going to Cleveland. Uh, they trade him, the Dolphins, to the Browns to give Cleveland the opportunity to give Landry a huge contract that Miami was never going to give him. Landry already lit into his teammates. I think most of the people that are listening to us on Three Dog Thursday know something about what happened where Landry lit into the teammates in a profane lace tirade in the wide receiver's room, essentially about work ethic, not practicing hard, not being healthy enough. Uh, what about Jar- will Jarvis Landry regret that he kind of blew up the situation in Miami and is now in one of the worst situations in pro sports with the Cleveland Browns? What do you want to say about Landry going there and already already trying to set the tone and going off on his teammates? Okay, number one, if he wants to go off on his teammates to fire them up, okay, that's that's not my issue. My issue is more that it feels like sour grapes with him when he left the Dolphins and, you know, poo-pooing on them on the way out, even though guy had 110 catches last year, so obviously that they have him somewhat featured. And I understand it was a different situation. Jay Cutler was a quarterback. Tannehill wasn't there. And the rumors, you know, that Gase really didn't have him as like a main target, even though it turned out to be a main target uh, most of the time. But, look, the Dolphins aren't exactly they, – they were a long time ago a model franchise in the NFL. They've fallen off over the last 15, 20 years after Dan Marino. But they still have a proud history where the Browns don't really have that at all, and they've won one game the last two years. And it felt like when Jarvis went to Cleveland, he was really talking them up, and I'm really excited to be here, and this is a great organization. It's not a great organization. They've won one game in the last two years. They're a running joke, not only in the NFL, but in sports. When you look at worst teams in professional sports in this country, the Cleveland Browns are probably number one on that list consistently. So if you want to say, I'm coming to Cleveland and hopefully we can improve, you know, and and I can be a part of that, fine, great. Like, that's okay. But for you to make out to be like, this is such a great move for you, yeah, because you're getting money from this team. Anybody (laughs) will get money to go anywhere. So don't make it out to be like this is such a great opportunity. No, they're paying you, and you're just going to have to do the best you can with it. I, I just look at a guy that's just – he's just upset because of the way that things turn out in Miami, and he just wants to rip everybody on the way out. But you're not – if you're going to New England, okay, if you're getting traded from the Dolphins or the Patriots, let's just say, wow, I'm going to the Patriots, a model franchise, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, championships, fine. You can say that. But the Browns, they have nothing. They have zero. So you can't say anything positive about them except they're paying you. Yep. And they're paying him a guaranteed $47 million, which you got to give him credit for. And if you've seen the Hard Knock Show, one more plug. He is in a mansion, Kevin, that, I mean, LeBron probably had a massive house and a bigger house. But I don't know that the governor, and I don't know that John Kasich, who you see all over Fox News now, that he lived in a mansion like, like what Landry is living in in Cleveland. He got some serious guaranteed coin thrown his way. So uh, he's planning on being around with the Browns. We'll see how it begins to work out. We'll see how long before Baker Mayfield plays. 
things. I promise. Let's move along to a couple of other NFL subjects. I, I want to say to you that a year ago, the Jaguars in our state, we do this state show in the state of Florida. I often joke that it seems like we're in the state of confusion when we're making underdog predictions on Three Dog Thursday. This is our preview show again. If you've tuned in, no games being played this weekend. We're just kind of going over what our thoughts are on some interesting kind of under-the-radar, underdog, if you will, teams and a couple of other situations in, in pro and college football. So we're talking NFL and pro football right now. In our state, the Jaguars really came out of nowhere, right, Kevin? I mean, fair statement. They th- No one expected them to be a 10-win, division-winning, playoff-winning team. They came out of nowhere. The Rams, with a new coaching staff, a completely unproven 30-what, one-year-old head coach, the youngest head coach in the history of the NFL, really came out of nowhere to win the division, win 10 games, and make the playoffs in L.A. So those were two uh, just a reversal of fortune teams last year. Do you have a team that you are looking at that had, let's say, a poor or maybe even an awful year last year that could suddenly turn it around in 2018 and why? Who are you looking at as an underdog team, an under-the-radar team? What do you think? I'm very curious to see what John Gruden can do with the Raiders. They gave him a lot of money, and he's going to make the move to Las Vegas in a few years with them. You know, you have a quarterback in Derek Carr. As long as he's healthy this season, I understand the Khalil Mack thing is is uh, a problem right now to get him into camp. But besides that, the AFC West is very wide open. That the Chiefs have a new quarterback in Pat Mahomes. The Chargers, a lot of people are really buying into them. They had a good finish to last year. They had a poor start, but you know you got to see if the Chargers are going to make that move over the hump of the Broncos. Even though they have Case Keenum, they have quarterback questions, and uh, I don't really know if they're a 500 team. So basically, the point is is that it's a very wide open division. And granted, Oakland draws the NFC West, which is not easy, and the AFC North this year, as does every other team in the AFC West. So. The schedule isn't as easy, but I think the Raiders, if they can take care of their business, I know they get the Rams week one, that Monday night late game at home, that if they can win that one and they have a couple other games after that that are very winnable, I think they got a shot. And let's see what John Gruden can do that after all those years at ESPN and doing the Monday night games, we know he's on top of everything. It's not like he doesn't know what's going on. He's on top of all of it. He had success with the Raiders. He had success in Tampa Bay. That we'll see if he can duplicate that. And I think that, you know, yeah, you could argue Phillip Rivers may be better quarterback than Derek Carr. I don't know. You can go back and forth on that. But there's no question, at worst, they have the second-best quarterback in the division out of the four because Mahomes is unproven and Case Keenum, we'll see how he does in Denver. So I think that the Raiders have a chance to bounce back this year. They were under 500 last year. I think with the excitement with Gruden, I think they got a shot to get back to the playoffs. And, and look, and full disclosure again, I was around John Gruden and was the host of his radio show for six seasons with the Buccaneers and have had a, a, a good relationship with him for a while. I've talked to him a lot over the course of the last nine years of him being out. I always said he will come back. He will come back for the right situation. I always thought Dallas Cowboys, but who could have figured that he would be back to the Raiders and be and be back a year removed from the Raiders having made the playoffs? They fired Jack Del Rio the year after they had made the playoffs 
And so that was a bit of a surprise. Derek Carr is obviously a strong young quarterback, a solid young quarterback to build around. He's a quarterback guru, and they have some pieces. They're not great defensively, especially if Mac is not there. But I, I like your point about the AFC West wide open with Mahomes in Kansas City. You don't know what's going to happen and how good they're going to be. He's only a second-year player. He's unproven. Denver, a mess. Maybe Case Keenum makes them better, or maybe they're terrible again. And for whatever reason, the Raiders have seemingly, in recent years anyway, had a lot of success against the Chargers. So, And Rivers is not getting any younger. So in the division, I think they have a chance to be good. They have a chance to be eight, nine-win Raider team. I don't know that they will be a playoff team. I don't know that they'll win that division, but I'm backing you on the Raiders. I'm going to swing all the way uh, to the Northeast, and I have no allegiance here to the New York Giants, But I have to believe they are going to be better for a couple of reasons. One of them, and again, here we go with we're taping this in April. Saquon Barkley, the draft pick, the the monstrous physical running back from Penn State with the blazing speed. He's suffering right now from a hamstring strain. And at the time that we're talking, we believe he's going to be ready to go at the beginning of the year. They open up with the Jaguars week one. But we don't know. So, Kevin, I'm I'm putting a qualifier. Barkley could be nagged by this thing at the beginning of the season, and I I will reserve the right, I I guess, to modify my thoughts on the Giants based on if he is continually bothered by this hamstring problem at the beginning of the year, they're not going to be the same team. But if Odell Beckham is back healthy... Uh, Eli Manning seems to be rejuvenated, and the more you read and hear, Ben McAdoo lost that team probably midway through last season. They checked out on him, and he then checked out on them and benched Eli Manning. So Pat Shermer comes in. Speaking of the Browns, he's a former Browns head coach, but he was in Minnesota a year ago. Uh, He's been a quality offensive coordinator. I think the Giants will be very competitive. Again, a seven, eight, nine-win team. They're not going to be a two- or three-win team like they were last year so if you're looking for a team to suddenly be a a division contender uh, to if not a wild card team maybe around eight or nine wins I think Eli's got it in him I think with Barkley running the ball their defense is pretty good I think the New York Giants might be that team do you have a quick thought on them I mean I agree with everything and look Saquon Barkley could be totally healthy during the preseason and get hurt week one you know is that change your prediction I mean it's you know, the Giants are in a division where we don't really know what Washington is. We'll see. I mean, Carson Wentz, is, is they don't say, is 100% healthy. And I, I understand they have Nick Foles, who won a Super Bowl, right uh, behind him. And then even Dallas, who every, I think the national media, they, they want Dallas to be relevant again. But really, you know, they're an average team. So, yeah, the Giants, as long as they, they don't get out to a poor start, I think, you know, they'll be competitive. I don't, I don't know about a playoff team in, in the NFC, but they'll be competitive. Hopefully more competitive for the G-Men and their fan base sake than what they were last year. All right, one more. I promise we'll talk college football a little bit later with Kevin Rogers. It is Three Dog Thursday. It is our August preview show for the upcoming season. Uh, Oh, by the way, I want to mention to you folks, I mentioned we've got a couple of new sponsors here. One of them, Kevin, is Vivid Seats that has come on board here with us on Three Dog Thursday. And Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace that's dedicated to providing fans live entertainment and experiences 
prices that last a lifetime. And Vivid Seats has great prices, easily uh, and easy purchasing experiences. Uh, so with football coming back, you can uh, you can take advantage right now through Vivid Seats. First of all, what you need to do is download the app and then go download uh, all the features and all the games and all the events that they have and use the promo code 3DOG. This is good for new customers who are signing up only. We have an offer going on through the end of the month of August. So your seat is always confirmed with a 100% guarantee through Vivid Seats. Check them out. Uh, whether you're cheering for your favorite college team, pro team, uh, you know they're they're with us here on Three Dog Thursday, and again they're offering our listeners this discount. A first-time customer can get 10% off their first order by going to VividSeats.com using the desktop site uh, on the computer or go download the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code 3DOG, the number 3 and D-O-G, 3DOG, and Vivid Seats can help you get tickets to all your favorite live events from the NFL to college football, college uh, concerts. Uh, I know uh, Kevin is a huge fan in his household of Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift was just recently in concert in the Tampa Bay area. She's been concert touring all over the country. Look for the tickets on Vivid Seats and be there cheering uh, uh, in the crowd as your uh, as your picks hit there from us on Three Dog Thursday. Use that promo code Three Dog get ten percent off your order at uh, at Vivid Seats. So utilize those guys and thank you to Vivid Seats, VividSeats.com and their app for sponsoring us on Three Dog Thursday. Uh, Kevin. One more thing in the NFL. I mentioned the New York market. Everybody is all a flitter about Sam Darnold now coming in for the New York Jets as their number one pick, first round pick. Of course, we talked about Baker Mayfield, the number one overall pick. You also have Josh Rosen, the two Joshes in Arizona, Josh Allen from Wyoming in Buffalo, and Lamar Jackson at the end of the first round drafted by the Baltimore Ravens. If I said to you, which of the first round picks has the best chance to succeed? I have the buffet in front of you. Which one has the best chance to succeed in 2018? Give me uh, a name and why. I'm going to say Josh Rosen in Arizona simply because I don't trust Sam Bradford, and I don't know how long, even if Sam Bradford started week one, how long he would last because of his list of injuries he's suffered over the years, and you just can't trust him to go a whole season. So i got to believe that Josh Rosen is the best option there. He's still Larry Fitzgerald. There's still some decent receivers. You have David Johnson in the backfield who is recovered from that wrist injury from last year that he suffered early in the season. So I think because of the weapons around him and not a reliable veteran in front of him that I would say Josh Rosen could have the most success at least short-term out of these quarterbacks. Well, I remember talking to people that saw him in high school in Southern California and said, this kid is e-ticketed to be an NFL quarterback. They knew that when he was a 17, 18-year-old. Now here he is in the NFL, mature beyond his years. We'll see if, if that develops. I think Lamar Jackson might be the most interesting name. I mean, Sam Darnold may succeed some with the Jets. I don't know how Mayfield will do with the Browns. I don't know that Josh Allen is even going to have the chance to play early on in in Buffalo. They've got Nathan Peterman. They've got A.J. McCarron. He may be on the bench for a little while in Buffalo. But Lamar Jackson, I think, is going to play some at the beginning of the season. I think they're going to have different packages where he comes in maybe in short yardage or for a series or two and play some here or there. He's an exciting, explosive 
player. He is ultra fast. He's a different quarterback than what the other four are in terms of his foot speed and the ability to go 60, 70, 80 yards if he takes off running. He's right out of the mold of like a Michael Vick in that regard, uh, a weapon where he tucks the ball down and just takes off. And Mariota can kind of do the same thing uh, and take off and run blazing fast. Same kind of thing with Lamar Jackson. I think Baltimore is a little better coached. Um, Flacco may be inconsistent at times. I think that Lamar Jackson may have some success, so I'll just keep an eye on him with the Baltimore Ravens uh, out of uh, out of all of those rookies. Hey, out of any of these guys, because we've already kind of couched it, uh, do, do you believe one of them will start week one, or do you think it's likely? I don't think Lamar Jackson will. We already covered kind of Baker Mayfield on that. I said Josh Allen won't. Will, will Darnold... Will Darnold be the guy with the Jets? You, you, you didn't seem to think that Josh Rosen would be the guy in Arizona. Can Darnold be the guy week one with the Jets as training camp uh, progresses? I would say out of all of them, potentially Darnold just because you have Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater as the other options. And, you know, again, some of these guys can start week two and play the whole season, you know. Uh, so it's not a slight on them if they don't start week one, but because Arizona has Sam Bradford, that's why I say he may get the nod, but he could get hurt. That's why Rosen doesn't start immediately. But Darnold, after he had a nice debut, I got to think that maybe that he is the guy to kind of get that Jets team on track. And I mean, I hate to put it like this, but at least get some interest in the team. No one gets, no one's gonna get fired up with Josh McCown as a quarterback, you know. Right. And, and it's not about selling tickets necessarily only. But it's also about, okay, the guy from USC, the young guy who, who you know, led the Trojans to the Rose Bowl, that's got to be someone to get you fired up and not necessarily Josh McCown. Yeah, and McCown is a longtime veteran. He's won some games. They also have Teddy Bridgewater there for the moment. If they don't end up trading him, again, if you're listening to the show, you may already know what happened here with an injury. They may have already named Darnold the starting quarterback. But at the time Kevin and I are talking, it's not for sure as of yet what happens with the Jets. So we've got more on the way. Kevin, stand by. We'll come back to you later on on Three Dog Thursday in this August preview show for the upcoming season and talk some college football. We've got some other guests that are going to be joining us as well to pop on here to help us preview the season including uh, talking some injuries and, and what happens with these different injuries training camp etc that's his three dog thursday continues stay with us yeah we do roll on here on the only digital radio show that is devoted to underdogs it is three dog thursday great to be back with you on our preview show kevin rogers will be back a little bit later on in the program rejoining me I want to bring in a guy that I have been familiar with now for a couple of years, uh, doing some work uh, with his great site. Uh, He's an orthopedic surgeon first and foremost, so he's eminently qualified to talk about injuries, but he's a humongous football fan as well, and these guys do a great job at thefantasydoctors.com on their site, on their social media, and with their podcast. He's part of the Fantasy Doctors. He's Dr. Seelan Parekh, who is with me once again now on my podcast. Great to have you, first of all. The doctor is in. Good to be with you. Hey, I'm glad to be back and glad to hear that NFL season is right around the corner. It's been long missed. <laughs> yes, and you are, I should mention to everybody, you are, uh, first at heart, a Dallas Cowboy kind of guy. So we, we should know that when we see you on social media and elsewhere, you're living and dying with the Cowboys. So I'm going to hit you with a fun one. Are the Cowboys going to have a bounce back year in 2018? What's going on? Are they going to be better? Oh, I, I, I wish I could say yes resoundingly, but I 
have a feeling it's going to be another lackluster year. I think that uh, losing the, you know, obviously Dez and, and having some issues at the tight end now, I, I just think that it's going to be a tough year, and, and we'll see, you know, uh, what he can do again. Um, he, he does look a lot better. He's trimmed up. He looks like he's quicker. You can watch some of the video from training camp, so I hope that all is pointing in the right direction. No doubt about that. Okay, so a little earlier, just before you came on, we were talking about the Giants, and I really think they will have a bounce-back year. I'm not saying they're going to win the division. I'm not saying 10, 12 wins, but I think they're going to be a lot better than what they were last year. One of those keys is the rookie running back, Saquon Barkley. And again, a qualifier at the time that Dr. Parekh and I are talking and we're taping this, we don't know what the long-term prognosis with his hamstring injury really means. We, we suspect he's going to be out some during training camp here and maybe not even play anymore in the preseason. We don't know that right now at the time that we're taping. So it's a hamstring injury. What, from what we know, are we dealing with something that could nag him at the beginning of the regular season and affect the Giants? Dr. Parekh, what do you think from the analysis? Absolutely. So the hamstring is notorious for being a nagging injury that keeps popping up, especially early in the season when the guys are still not optimized in terms of their their um, their endurance and being able to play at the intensity for a whole game. And it's warmer in the beginning part of the season and their hydration are issues. So that is a perfect storm for hamstring and quadricep injuries and strains. And so if you go into the season with a, a hamstring strain, this is something that can become problematic early on in the season. And again, we don't know, but you would not be surprised here if the Giants are just extra cautious and say, forget about these preseason games that are upcoming uh, and, and point towards the regular season opener, which is about three or four weeks from now. That, that would not surprise you if that's the tactic here to help that strain, right? Would not surprise me at all. You know, this guy is potentially a franchise player for you for your future is certainly the keystone to having a a bounce back year. And so why put him in a scenario where he may re-aggravate this uh, hamstring and then it prolongs into late September, maybe even early October. So I I agree with you. I think this is something that we may not even see in the rest of preseason and it just gets seen in the beginning of the season. Okay, so again, you may be hearing us, and you may already know that Barkley came back and played in the third preseason game, for example. Again, Dr. Parekh and I don't know that, but that's just an educated guess on hamstrings. Typically, they're about a month, right, if it's a, if it's a mild grade one hamstring, like a month to six weeks before you're fully healed and rested up. Is that fair, depending on? So for the mild ones, it can go as quickly as two weeks. And from the video that I saw, as well as the reports we're hearing, this is mild. The moderate and severe ones can take four to six weeks mm. to heal. But I don't think that's, an error. that's the scenario for what we're dealing with with Saquon in this scenario. Okay, we'll see. Andrew Luck is a fascinating name for the Colts. Missed the entire year with shoulder injury, shoulder surgery, could not come back. Has only recently this summer begun to throw the football really for the first time uh, in the better part of six months or more since the, since the shoulder was shut down again. Delve into this a little bit here. What are we looking at? What's the? I mean, everybody wants to know what's the prognosis. What's the danger of re-injury with luck as we go along? What about it, Doctor Parekh? So a couple of things here. If you go back and you hear what happened with with luck, it sounds like he had a labrum being torn. The labrum is think of it as a cushion that sits around the rim of the shoulder to keep the ball of the shoulder in place. 
Then, so that's what he had a surgery for. Then it evolved into, hey, there's something going on with the biceps tendon that sits in the shoulder, and this is what was very problematic for him last season and prevented him from playing last season. So they tried no surgery, and it seems to be working. Now, I say seems because this has not been fixed. And so is it possible that if he takes a hit or he gets slammed into the ground or lands on that shoulder that he flares this entire thing back up? Absolutely. And if you watch the, even the first game, the preseason game, you watch that video closely, I love the fact that he has his intensity back, which is great. It means that he's not thinking about his shoulder much. But when you watch the way he throws, he has changed his mechanics, and he almost looks like he's guarding that shoulder. And to me, that tells me that shoulder is not 100%. And so it's going to be a continued watching scenario on that shoulder. Well, and, and as you mentioned, apprehensive and throwing the ball different. Now you can get into other problems with your mechanics. Uh, heaven forbid, and I'm not an orthopedist, you are, but you can get into compensation and your elbow now has problems, right? I mean, there can be other things that can crop up because you've changed your throwing motion. Absolutely. So you can start having issues with the elbow, the lats, or the oblique, so that whole flank of the of the of the body okay we'll talk about another player or or two here in just a second hey just as a general thing we we have seen already a rash and it seems like every year for the last few years a rash of these players suffering season-ending acl season-ending achilles uh right away in the first week or two of training camp forget about a game they're injuring it in practice in drills you're an orthopedist by by trade. You analyze this for a living. What what do you make? Are we are we scrutinizing it more and we pay more attention to it now, or are you with me that it seems more frequent now that we're losing guys for the year at the beginning of a training camp in non-contact, non-game situations, Doctor Parek? So great question. It's been the buzz of a lot of people after trying to figure out what is going on, and I think it's a, it's a multiple uh, case scenario. Number one. I think that we are paying more attention to it. Football is still very, very popular with social media and the access to everything. We're hearing about guys who aren't even on the 53-man roster, aren't going to make that roster, but get hurt in the preseason, get hurt in practice. And you hear about those injuries, things that you didn't hear about 10, 15, 20 years ago. So that's part of the problem. The second thing is these guys are bigger, stronger, faster, and more aggressive than we've ever had before. And so there are more injuries happening. I don't think it's as much of an epidemic as it seems because, like I said, I think the media is paying more attention to it. We're paying more attention to it, and you hear about it more often. So I think it's a, a a multiple scenario issue here. Okay, a couple more minutes here. We're talking with one of the doctors from the FantasyDoctors.com website. These guys do a great job in all sports, not just football that's upcoming, but baseball injuries for fantasy purposes, the basketball season. They go worldwide. They talk soccer, rugby, cricket. Whenever they see injuries, they analyze these injuries. They have a great team of doctors, the FantasyDoctors.com. And Dr. Seelan Parekh is with me on Three Dog Thursday. One more. Alshon Jeffrey was one of the heroes of the Philadelphia Eagles uh, last year. Jeffrey battling a shoulder injury as well. What is specifically going on there? And I know there are a lot of people interested in fantasy football or how the Eagles are going to do on the field. If Jeffrey can't play, what what's going on with his status and that injury? So only in the last week are we hearing concerns that Jeffrey won't be ready. And, and I'll tell you from our perspective, there was never a, a well, I should say there was a very slight chance he was going to be ready to go at the start of the season. He had a rotator cuff injury that was repaired surgically back in February. 
at the best case scenario with a very small tear, you're looking at six months to return to play, which puts him at August. But we don't know how small it was. And for most of these guys, it really is about nine months to return to play. So if you do the math, you're looking at the middle of the season for him to actually be back playing in his normal style. So I think that it is unlikely for us to see him early in the season. Maybe we start seeing him early in October, but more likely middle to late October. And keep in mind, again, Dr. Parekh and I don't know this, but if if Jeffrey is on the physically unable to perform list when they have to set the 53-man rosters, then he can't play the first six games of the season, even if he's healthier in that time frame and they wanted to activate him. By rule, they can't. So that's the real quandary that they're in with his shoulder healing and how do they manage it and that kind of stuff he could be out for the but as you're saying if you could get him for the second half of the year fully healthy and make a stretch run playoffs and that kind of stuff that's what you would want rather than uh than rushing him back if if there's an injury here in this case so uh, again absolutely go ahead and and, and absolutely and and more importantly think about it if Carson Wentz isn't ready to go at the beginning of the season which I don't think he's going to be um he certainly won't be 100 percent why not give Alshon the time he needs, get Carson up and ready so that when Carson Wentz is actually up and going, he's got Alshon back in the in the lineup. I think that makes more sense. Yep, and we'll see what the Eagles end up doing. They obviously won with Nick Foles in at quarterback uh, last year. We'll see if that continues. Of course, Jeffrey was a part of that in the postseason, too. We'll see what happens with Philadelphia. What we do know is what's happening with the fantasy doctors, and we'll let Dr. Parekh plug away here. They can get all of this information, great video analysis. You guys do great video work on injuries as they happen. In a lot of cases, it's almost uh, within a half hour, an hour, something like that of an injury occurring during the baseball season or during the football season. You guys are giving analysis. Here's the injury. Here's the prognosis. Here's the situation. Again, plug away where they can find you and find out more about the Fantasy Doctors. Absolutely. So you can find us on our website at thefantasydoctors.com. That's with thefantasydoctors.com. On Twitter, we're, we're providing up-to-date, breaking timelines, breaking injuries. And your, our Twitter handle is fantasydoctors, that's D-R-S. Uh, and, and that's where you can follow us. And then we actually have an analytics side to the entire um, venture where you can actually get the analytics on what are what's happening with these players, how healthy are they going to be, what is their fantasy implications, what's their value to your team, and you can find that through the Fantasy Doctors or through FantasyDose.com. So right. lots of different ways to interact with us with great information. Uh, just from the recreational fan all the way to the avid fantasy owner. Oh, no doubt. If you want to know how hurt your player is for fantasy purposes, it's a great service. And again, it's the fantasy doctors, all one thing dot com. Fantasy DRS is the Twitter handle, and Fantasy Dose, D O S E, was the other name that you were giving there as well. Those are the sites where you can find Dr. Parekh and the other doctors that are analyzing all of these different injuries. Hey, it will be real live football before we know it in a couple of weeks. Again, at the time we're talking, we still have a couple of weeks. They may be hearing it later in August on this preview podcast of Three Dog Thursday. We can't wait for the actual college games Labor Day weekend, and then that means the NFL will be coming the following week uh, as well. Dr. Parekh, I, I thank you. I look forward to utilizing you much more during the football season. Good luck with the fantasydoctors.com and everything you guys are doing with your practice and the healing and the health that you bring. We thank you for the time here on Three Dog Thursday. Thanks, you, Jake. Great being on. The dogs are barking. 
who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. We are back in, and this guy is one of my faves. I know that it is truly football season now that we're back in the swing of things with Three Dog Thursday and a preview show. If Charles Davis from the NFL on Fox is here, always good to talk to you anytime, but always good to talk to you when we start talking pigskin and get around that time. It's about to be that time. How have you been? I know training camps are underway. You're working with those Tennessee Titans in the in the NFL preseason on TV. How are things, sir? Good to have you. Uh, thanks for having me. Things are really things are great. It's football season. I'm excited. Been able to get around to a few different training camps. I've been to Green Bay, San Francisco, Minnesota, Tennessee. Wow. I'll see the Buccaneers uh, this weekend um, in a joint camp with with Tennessee Titans. So it's it's pretty cool. I'll see Buffalo in a couple of weeks. I've got Buffalo, Cincinnati for games. So I'll see Buffalo in camp. So anytime I go to camp and try and learn something, that's a pretty good thing for me. All right, so give me something from anywhere that has just struck you, whether it uh, of that whole list, Green Bay, Minnesota, San Francisco, any of it. Give me something that struck you so far in a training camp. Well, I think, you know, the, the normal is how much optimism there is around. You know, Green Bay, there's been a rebirth there in terms of they turned over staff, and Aaron Rodgers is an elder statesman, and he's got new receivers, and – I'm sure you saw the headline where he got on him about yeah. his practice habits. He didn't play in the preseason game, but all of them responded. All the guys that he called out responded and played in and played in and played pretty darn well that night. Really kind of got after it. Not perfect, but the effort was there. I think when I was in San Francisco, it's all about Jimmy Garoppolo, and rightly so. And he has just firmly seized that team and that city, and really the eyes of the NFL are on him. And they're optimistic, and they also understand that they're not there yet. You know, that 5-0 and finish last year, there's a little September baseball to that, TJ. You know, the <laughs> team that finishes hot and, you know, 40-man roster, and did they, the teams they played, did they have to win? You know, all those things, but still it validated that they were building and growing, so they feel good about that. Minnesota's got a brand-new complex that is just off the charts. $141 million, and his, money well, and his money well spent. The indoor facility is so nice and so big, I mean, you could literally scrimmage in there. And they actually, like, like the Cowboys, they're, they're practice, one of their practice fields, the, the Cowboys' indoor practice one, they turned into a game field. You know, like 12,000 seats, and you can play high school and college football there and have TV and the whole deal. The Vikings did the same thing with an outdoor field and 6,500 seats, and they're going to have high school games in there off the top, and I'm sure there'll be some small colleges that'll want to play there, and it's just a gorgeous facility, but it goes along with the idea that this is a team that can make a run at a Super Bowl. So it's just been a lot of fun getting around and seeing. And, of course, you'll see the Tennessee Titans this weekend. And, look, like your quarterback, even though he's suspended for the first three games of regular season, it's all about the quarterback in Tennessee, too, which is why there's a new sheriff in town in Mike Vrabel and a new offense coordinator, Matt LaFleur. They want to maximize Marcus Mariota. No doubt about that. Um, yeah, and we're looking forward to it again at the time that we're talking. It's the second week of the preseason. You may be hearing the show a little bit later on in August, but the, you know football is in the air, and uh, Charles has just seen the Titans play uh, against Green Bay. Hey, give me something else, too, about Mariota. Uh, what, again, stands out about him having been around him in 2018 with this new staff, with this new offensive coordinator? It's early, but what have you seen? Health. You know, this guy this year had the entire offseason to get better at his game, to work on his craft, to hone his skills, 
to get better balance in throwing the football, to try and get that accuracy back that we saw coming out of Oregon. Last year, he was rehabilitating a bunch of injuries. So his offseason was different. Couldn't spend the extra time with the receivers. You know, he was in the training room trying to get right for the season. This year, it's a whole different learning curve for him. And he spent the entire offseason working on his game with his personal quarterbacks coach, who has a great relationship with the Titans staff. So they're all kind of reading from the same hymnal and coaching him. It's not like, you know, a lot of times you get these quarterback gurus that these kids go to, and then they get to school, and it's a whole different language that their coaches are talking. These guys have talked the same thing the entire offseason. So for him, health, the legs are back under him. He looks like the, the young deer that came out of Oregon. And the big thing that they believe that they're seeing so far is the fundamentals are more grounded and more secure, which they believe will lead to better accuracy throwing the football. That's what they're hoping for. And again, uh, the Titans were a, t- a playoff team, won a playoff game last year, made the coaching change. A lot of that having to do with Mariota. We'll see uh, how that works out. All right, so I, I always love talking to you on so many su- on so many different subjects. In the preview mode here, we're, we're not talking specific games yet. We're not close enough. So if we're just talking underdog theme, uh, earlier in the previous segment, uh, previous couple segments, we've been talking about teams under the radar or teams to maybe turn it around. If I was to say to you, give me an NFL team that maybe didn't have as good a 2017 as they wanted or even a down 2017, but you think they could be respectable, if not playoff caliber, do you have a team? I do, actually. You know, I think we all have multiple teams, but I'm going to leave it to one for, for purposes of what we're talking about. It's the Houston Texans. Remember, they had that nice little run where they ran the AFC South. Okay, They were the team to beat. They were in the playoffs, but they couldn't get deep in the playoffs. Something would always go haywire for them. Whether it was a quarterback play, you remember poor Brian Hoyer, when they got there that one time, would he throw four interceptions that day, five, whatever it was, just an awful day and it didn't work out. You know, and then they got the one year where the Raiders came in with quarterback problems and they whacked them early, and then their next round they got beat. So they can't get deep into the playoffs, but last year they were expected to be really good again, had the number one defense in the NFL. J.J. Watt goes down. Whitney Merciless goes down. Brian Cushing's dinged up all year. We go on and on and on. Well, Merciless is back. Watt is back. If they both stay healthy, you add in Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, to play the secondary and help increase their play there, even though they lost, um, you know, I believe it was um, – who was it, Andre Howe, yes. who unfortunately got sick in the offseason. And we all hope that he will have a speedy recovery. But you get the Honey Badger back, that changes what you do in the secondary. It makes you more aggressive that way. And Deshaun Watson went down last oh, year. And oh, as a yeah. rookie, he was such a revelation. Oh, him. You know? He's back. Yeah. He's back, too. He makes a lot of people smarter and better, doesn't he? Here's how, here's how much of a difference having Deshaun Watson makes. In the city of Houston, there's no better icon right now than J.J. Watt, is there? I mean, it's just none. Look at what he did with the flood victims. Look yeah. at his play, a three-time defensive player of the year. But the truth of the matter is, Deshaun Watson's health is the biggest key to the season for the Houston Texans. When he went down, they were in playoff contention. As soon as he went down, that playoff contention went right out the window. And he does go back to, so let me get this straight. Why didn't he start game one again last year? <laughs> it took, it took, them, took them one half to realize Tom Savage wasn't the answer. Deshaun Watson was or at least they gave him that chance, and he ran with it in a big way and also threw it pretty well, too. That shootout he had with Russell Wilson in Seattle last year, 
that's one of the best games we saw played in the NFL last year. Oh, season. yeah. And he's a, he's a special talent if he can stay healthy. Uh, that is for sure. All right, I promised you that we'd only have you here for a few moments. I'm enjoying talking with you. I want to skip over uh, college football also on the brain. This guy's a VFL of all for life, a former Tennessee Vol. They've got Jeremy Pruitt now as the new head coach, former Alabama defensive coordinator, was also with Jimbo Fisher at Florida State as a defensive coordinator. What is the buzz that you hear about your guys, and could they be a team? I'm kind of looking at them. I know they open with West Virginia, and the SEC yep. schedule is always the SEC schedule, but could Tennessee be back to you know 500 respectability this year with Jeremy Pruitt? What are you hearing? I, I think so, and I think that's a realistic goal for them. Above that, almost would be gravy. And as a volunteer, you hate to say that because right. our standards are usually higher, but that's just where we are right now. And you mentioned the word buzz. I think the best part about what Jeremy Pruitt is doing at Tennessee is that our buzz isn't about catchphrases. Our buzz isn't about slogans. Our buzz isn't about unbridled optimism. Our buzz is about just keeping your mouth shut and going to work every day, which is what Coach Pruitt does. And you know, TJ, just about every great program or any even you know the good ones, whatever, they take on the persona of the person leading them. And that's kind of where they're trying to go with Tennessee. All right, we've, we've done it another way and actually came very close to getting over the hump, and then it just collapsed on us. Can he build this foundation to last? And he'd like to do it with not, with not, a, whole lot of, not a whole lot of noise, okay? He wants their play to, to tell the tale. We'll see how it goes. Tough opener with West Virginia and Charlotte. I mean, West Virginia's picked, for num- picked number two in the Big 12 this year, and they expect Will Greer, their quarterback, to have a monster mm-hmm. year, maybe be a Heisman candidate. But for the Volunteers, just, just, just strap it up. Go out and play, and see what happens. I think five hundred, six, six wins, seven wins. Go, go to a bowl game. I think that'll show significant progress. But for me, and I'll leave it at this, I will really be encouraged if Tennessee's back, beating teams they're supposed to beat. If Tennessee gets back to beating Kentucky, beating Vanderbilt, you see what I'm saying? Oh yeah. If they get back to doing that. The weird part is the SEC East has changed. Georgia is the clear front runner. Florida and Tennessee are trying to find themselves. And right now, South Carolina looks like they've filled the void. So that's who you're chasing right now. But Tennessee's got to get back to being able to beat Kentucky, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, I would add to that list in in a normal year and right on down the line. Once they start doing that, then you can have the optimism they can get back to their ways where those battles with Florida and Georgia mean so much. Well, we will see if the Vols can do it. And again, this guy's double dipping there with the whole Tennessee mindset because you're also working with the Titans to broadcast. I look forward to seeing you at the time that we're talking. I'm going to get to be around yes. my man Charles Davis coming up, uh, working some Tennessee Titans preseason uh, as well. Listen, always great to talk football with you. It won't be long before we're seeing you in the regular season with Kevin Burkhardt and the crew on the NFL on Fox. Thank you for being with me here on Three Dog Thursday, Charles Davis. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me as always. Can't wait to see you in, uh, in Nashville and then hopefully during the season as well. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Back in again with my man, senior handicapper and writer, Kevin Rogers from VegasInsider.com as we welcome him back. This is year four of Three Dog Thursday. By the way, for all the best information uh, that you can find week in and week out on everything, not just football, but the baseball season, the NBA when it starts up, all of it, golf, 
horse racing, boxing, anything that you want to look through uh, and and get the information and the odds uh, on, it is VegasInsider.com. And Kevin will tell you more about that a little bit later on the show. So it's great to have a relationship with our friends at VegasInsider.com. Kevin's a senior handicapper who's been with them for years. He's been with me for years on this very successful podcast. Thanks again to the audience. Whether you found us again through RadioInfluence.com, whether you're subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, hearing us on the Radio Influence tune-in page, spread the word, subscribe, rank the show, promote the show by the tens of thousands Kevin, they have found us. This show uh, has had uh, tremendous growth really over the last couple of seasons where the audience has stayed and found us. And and by the way, we're going to be here. We're taking up space between now and the football season all the way through the college postseason with the Bulls and the college football playoff, the NFL postseason and the Super Bowl. And then we'll slide right into college basketball in particular all the way through the Final Four. Kevin, they're stuck with us between now and all the way through April making some underdog predictions. And I know uh, the fans Fans get into it. Everybody wants to make their picks on what's going to happen. We'll focus on the underdogs when the games come around in a couple of weeks, but uh, we are excited to be back. We're excited to have college football back as well. Just as a general comment, when last we saw the college game, it was Alabama winning the thrilling overtime game over the Georgia Bulldogs uh, in Atlanta to capture the 83rd or the 97th national championship for Alabama. Are you amped for the college football season to get cranked up here? We'll be here before we know it. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of exciting matchups in week one, which is uh, a nice change over the last few years that it's not just, you know, Alabama playing, you know, University of Phoenix in week one, that at least you have some good matchups. Alabama's playing Louisville, even though they're a huge favorite in that game. You have Miami LSU, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Michigan, Notre Dame. They're rekindling their rivalries. So you have a lot of Good games. Yeah, you have a lot of teams, you know, playing, you know, mid-majors, but at the same time, at least to start off the season, you do have some good matchups right out of the gate, which is really good. All right, there's been plenty of controversy. Boy, the Big Ten has taken one hit after another. Michigan State scandals uh, that they have had, including sexual assault investigations with the football program. Uh, this this mess at Maryland at the time that we're talking with the death of a player during uh, conditioning and their, their relatively new coach, D.J. Durkin. Again, at the time we're taping this, you may know if Durkin has already been relieved of duties or not. Uh, we don't know that at the time we're talking. And then you've got Urban Meyer at Ohio State with employing uh, Zach Smith, a receivers coach, not only at the University of Florida, but then again at Ohio State, employing Zach Smith for over a decade at two different programs. And Zach Smith with a ton of personal baggage, domestic violence allegations, now new news that he had a DUI a few years ago that was apparently covered up, or at least Zach Smith wasn't telling anybody about it. So Urban Meyer is right now on paid leave at the time we're talking. Again, you may hear this show and you may already know what ends up happening with Urban Meyer. Is he suspended for a few games? Is he booted altogether? What about the mess of scandal right now at some college football and in specific Big Ten football programs? It's a black eye for college football right now. Well, a couple things. Number one, I want to know, and you'll never know this, but just between us, I want to know, are these coaches covering it up, or is this a, leave me alone, I don't want to deal with this, somebody else figure this out? That's what I want to know, number one. It's not about, that's not defending them at all. It's just saying that are these coaches so involved in everything else? It's like a coach or a player or someone screws up that, 
you know what? You guys take care of this. I don't want to hear about it because I got other things to worry about. So I, and which is not a good thing either, because right. you know they're just putting they're they're putting blinders on, and it kind of felt that way a little bit going back with Paterno at Penn State that it was the leave me alone, I don't want to deal with this, you know, as opposed to covering up. That's what I really want to know. Okay, but we're not going to know that. Okay, let's look at some of these one by one. When you look at what's going on in Maryland, you never ever should be treating players like that, but. If you win at Alabama, if you win at Ohio State, if you win at USC, it's kind of like says, okay, well, they're winning. When you're not winning like DJ Durkin at Maryland and you're a losing team, you have no right to do any of that stuff because what are you – you're trying to mold them into what? They're not winning. You're not helping the fact either. So you're not doing anything to help and you're trying to be Mr. Tough Guy. And then to – Taking a step further, when you look at Will Muschamp, the coach of South oh. Carolina, him opening his mouth, you know, he just looks terrible in this whole thing. I think Maryland could have gotten off the hook. DJ Dirk and all this could have gotten off the hook if when this player died back in May from the conditioning drills, if they would have come out and said, you know, this happened, it was unfortunate, he had a condition, whatever it was, and been a little bit more sympathetic, I think that he would have been fine and all this other stuff would have happened. But when the ESPN report came out that the, the Durkin and the strength coach were all very, you know, they were allegedly very abusive towards the players, making them do things and, and berating them and all this other stuff. Oh, now we're going to apologize. Now we're sorry. And we're going to come out. Yeah, because you got exposed. And now it just looks terrible going into the season where they can't just hire someone else. So they're like the season's lost in a sense before it even starts. Right. So that's the deal at Maryland. When you look at what's going on with Urban Meyer at Ohio State, like I mentioned before, was Urban just negligent or was he covering things up? And that's, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at this, that you say if you're the head coach of any major program, whether it's football or basketball or whatever, that are you the one that should have to sit on the sword because other people are screwing up and that you're in charge of 20 coaches, you're in charge of 85 players or whatever it is that somebody does wrong, especially an adult that you have to babysit. That is that on you because you didn't necessarily, you weren't the one that did it, but you're the one that should have done something about it. So should you lose your job? That's kind of the one angle you can look at, or you say we're in this time now where there's a lot of, Things coming out, I mean, you look at people not taking responsibility, what happened with, with Nassar and Michigan State and with the gymnastics, that you got to say, you're at the top, something happened, you got to yeah. go. If there's abuse, if there's something like that, you got to go because you know what? You didn't do anything about it, and that is more important than your football program or your basketball program or whatever. So that's kind of where we're at now. These coaches, that it is zero tolerance in a sense with them too, that they can't let anything go when you saw how art Bryles handled things at Baylor with all the players and, and what they were doing. So there's just, there's this thing where, Hey, if there's a screw up in the program, which there'll be, you have to be on top of it. If you're not, you're going to go. 
Well, and again, there's the voice of Kevin Rogers from VegasInsider.com. TJ Reeves with you as part of Three Dog Thursday in our preview show for the upcoming season. couple points on Urban Meyer. This was obviously a problem at the University of Florida when Zach Smith was younger and was not yet married uh, to the woman that he would later marry and continue apparently to abuse. But he knew then there were problems, so much so that Urban Meyer had his quote-unquote life coach who was on his staff at Florida and has been with him in and out of his personal life for a long time, as well as another uh, uh, individual both come and counsel Zach Smith's girlfriend to basically not uh, take this public and ruin Zach Smith's career. So he knew going back eight or nine years ago there were problems here. Hired him anyway at Ohio State, took the risks. And when you see, uh, and, a, and a tip of the hat to Brett McMurphy, by the way, who's now with Stadium.com. Watch Stadium, and he's their college football information insider, uh, newsbreaker. He's got the text messages. He's got the photographs. He's got evidence galore uh, that that uh, Courtney Smith, the, the the now wife, was sending photographic evidence to the other coaches' wives that he's abusing me. Look at my arms. Look at my neck. Look at the bruises. Look at the different stuff. It is just very difficult from an optics standpoint to look at that and say that Urban Meyer is still going to be the coach. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. And maybe they're going to put winning above everything else. I'll tell you what else is is ironic and uh and also makes your stomach turn is they have taken steps at ohio state for education in and around domestic violence and abusing women and they have mottos and slogans up in the football building about treating women the right way and do not abuse them and now this is going on it, it, it talk about hypocritical it, it almost just reeks of hypocrisy in, in that regard so again at the time we're talking we don't know if urban meyer is going to be suspended for a few games will that investigate come back and they outright get rid of him Uh, Kevin make a prediction do you believe they're going to outright delete Meyer when this is over with or do you come down on he gets maybe a few games suspension and and uh, Zach Smith's already fired as the coach what do you think on on what happens here let's speculate real quick and the audience again may very well know already what happened even though the situations are different it's very easy at Maryland for them to dump DJ Durkin you're under 500 who cares go a different direction with what Urban Meyer has been able to do at Ohio State to get them back towards the top, you know, of college football, along with Alabama and Clemson and those schools and winning a national championship, you saw the people outside in Columbus that were that, that wanted him there, winning above all. I, I hate to do this, but I, I can't give you an opinion because part of me thinks, like I told you before, zero tolerance around everything. You see Hollywood, you see all this stuff, you get in trouble with something, you're gone. You know, but then, you know, you can go to maybe suspend him for a few games and it's so deep. We're almost into the season. We can't afford to lose this guy. And that's where I'm not sure what they're going to do because of what this institution and what this football program is, because you get rid of Urban Meyer and your season's in the toilet. Yep. You know, so that's kind of where I don't know which direction it feels like this is taking a while at the time that we're taping. It feels like this is taking a little bit of time. You would have thought they would have come across with something already, a decision, but they still haven't. So 
I'm not really sure how they're going to handle this because of, of the persona and who you're dealing with. And a couple of other, other uh, key parts to all of this. New president at Ohio State in the last year or so. Gene Smith has been there for a long time as the athletic director. So it's a question of how much do they want to dig in and fight in this. And there's a, there's a case that can be made that they don't have to pay Urban Meyer anything. That this is being done for cause if they want to make that case. How much do they want to fight versus a suspension? We'll see what Ohio State does uh, for the Buckeyes that have a lot of expectations on them for this season. Okay, so enough of off the field. In the preview mode, there are numerous coaches in new places. Uh, In our state in particular, the two prominent programs both have a new head coach with Willie Taggart, who was followed the bouncing ball at USF in USF Green and Gold, and then went all the way out for one season to the Pac-12 to Oregon's Green and Yellow had a 7-5 and five year a year ago, didn't coach the bowl game, now is the Florida State coach in Tallahassee replacing Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo off to Texas A&M. Dan Mullen becomes the Florida Gators coach, replacing Jim McElwain. Can he restore them? Chip Kelly out at UCLA. Scott Frost leads UCF to a 13-0 season, but now leaves and goes back to his alma mater, Nebraska. Again, I put all of those situations in front of you. Kevin, give me one or two that stand out that you're eager to see once the games start getting played. Maybe it's Taggart, maybe it's Kelly, maybe it's Frost, Jimbo. What intrigues you about a new coach in a new place? Well, Jimbo obviously is very intriguing because of how he left Florida State and is going to Texas A&M where, in reality, he doesn't have a shot to win the SEC West when you have Alabama on your side and they play Alabama and Clemson yep. in the first four games of the season. So, Let's see what kind of magic he can make, and he got a lot of money to go there. I don't blame him for going there because they're going to give you the money, but at the same time, it kind of felt like there was, you know, like we talked about Jarvis Landry earlier, like, you know, sour grapes leaving. The same thing with, with him in Florida State. Like, come on, they gave you an opportunity, and they built you an indoor facility, and you won a championship and all this other stuff. Like, you know, let it go. Like, you know, you got another job. You know, move on. Uh, you know, with, with Taggart going to Florida State, Obviously, it's the local ties. That's why he was at Oregon for only one year. And, you know, Oregon fans can't be that disappointed because he went back to the state of Florida and, you know, going to Florida State, where if DeAndre Francois is healthy this year, the Seminoles had a lot of losses defensively, but uh, he could probably try to get them back on track. And even when you look at Oregon with Mario Cristobal, you know, a guy that, you know, was at FIU for a little bit and, uh, you know, he, he did the best he could with that program was at Alabama with Nick Saban for yep. a bit as an assistant and uh, played at the University of Miami and now going to Oregon. You know, that's a, that's a Ducks team that this year they get Stanford and Washington at home. They don't play USC that maybe they have a shot in returning quarterback in Herbert that maybe they, they have a shot to make some noise there in the Pac-12. I mean, you look at Scott Frost. I, there's no way anybody can blame him for leaving UCF to go to Nebraska when you played football there and they are looking for someone to rejuvenate their program. He did as much as he could at UCF. There is no way that school's ever going undefeated again. Like, that, that's a stone-cold, guaranteed lock. <laughs> that school's never doing that. school, I don't know, they're going to win 11 games again. They believe so, they're going to win them all this year and be national champions again and have another parade and have more rings and have another banner, but you're saying never. You're saying never on UCF. Right, I mean, they can be back-to-back champions this year in their own mind. But, uh, you know, you go to Nebraska, like, that was a no-brainer for him. I agree. But he's got work to do. So, uh, so I think that they'll they'll all be interesting situations with Chip Kelly, you know, 
not having Josh Rosen is obviously, you know, a big deal. But you know what? He's a guy that, that's suited for college and going back to going out west to Pac-12. I think that he'll eventually get UCLA in line. And he always could recruit Southern California while at Oregon, big time. And now he just has to battle USC and, and some of the others that try to swoop in uh, to be able to get players. We'll find out. I'm intrigued by Mullen at Florida. He's been at Mississippi State. Georgia clearly has the most talent. They they romped over the East a year ago and, may, and won the SEC and made the title game of the college football playoff but Mullen has got a quarterback in Felipe Franks he could go to uh, he's got a running back coming off suspension in Jordan Scarlett who missed the whole year last year their defense is pretty good Florida could maybe be and I'm no Gator I didn't go to the University of Florida I don't care I know a lot of Gator fans and they get hepped up over everything but they, they could be an eight or nine win team they could easily win I'm not saying win them all but they and they have a couple of games where they have to go on the road etc but they could be an eight-win team, Florida, and be better and be a bowl team again, certainly not like last year. So uh, I'm interested in in some of these coaches in new places, including Jimbo Fisher. How quick will that honeymoon be over if you lose to Alabama and you lose to Clemson and you have five or six losses maybe in your first season? I don't know that they'll lose five or six, but let's see what happens uh, for them. All right, so you mentioned UCF. They really were under the radar, and things worked out for them. They won a couple of huge games down the stretch, and then – uh, ended up shocking Auburn head-to-head in the Peach Bowl for a 13-0 season. So UCF was the 2017 under-the-radar team. Give, give me another team that uh, for 2018 you believe Kevin Rogers could be an under-the-radar team and why. I'm going to look at the Arizona Wildcats. That Kevin Sumlin heading out to Arizona after things kind of deteriorated at Texas A&M and he's got a, a very good quarterback in Khalil Tate who could throw, he could run. And when you look at the Wildcats with them on USC's side in the Pac-12 South, they get USC at home, they get Oregon at home, they avoid Washington, and you know really their road games are pretty manageable. Inside the Pac-12, they actually go to Houston to face someone's old team, the Cougars, in Week 2. They got BYU in the opener. And I just think this is a team, you know, they went seven and six last year. They have a lot of players returning that they have a shot to, I mean, not win a championship, but maybe compete for that Pac 12. This is a team that has never been to the Rose Bowl. So you wonder if this could be the year they break through with Sumlin and Sumlin. It feels like in his first years at Texas A&M, Johnny Manziel, that they were really, you know, all of a sudden a pretty good team that maybe he needs a change. Rich Rodriguez, that whole era is done. So maybe he is the one that can kind of get them back on the winning track or at least maybe an eight or nine win team. Could be. And Sumlin always, we joke around here on Three Dog Thursday. That's the voice of Kevin Rogers. TJ Reeves with you here on our preview show for the upcoming season from our friends at RadioInfluence.com. We're glad that you're with us. And whenever you're hearing the show leading up to Labor Day weekend and the first college games, we're kind of previewing it here. We will be around for the Labor Day weekend to preview actual games and pick some underdogs. Sumlin, I mean, if they held the college football playoff and the bowl games in October, Sumlin would have won like three national championships at Texas A&M, right? I mean, he was the king of September and October. The problem is they kept playing football in November and December and January, and that's where he would struggle, and that's why he's not there. There's no doubt he's an offensive mind. Speaking of Case Keenum back earlier in the show, Case Keenum was originally a Houston Cougar, lighting it up with Kevin Sumlin as the coach. 
uh, and they had an unbeaten regular season one year uh, with Kevin Sumlin that year. And he's a former offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. He's got the pedigree, and the Pac-12 may be wide open uh, for this year. Yes, Bryce Love at Stanford, the outstanding running back, but we already documented that Oregon and UCLA have new coaches. So uh, Kevin Sumlin and, and Arizona. And let's not forget that out in the desert of Tucson, they've got scandal there too with Rich Rodriguez having been removed uh, with the scandal uh, out west. So we'll see how Arizona does. I A team under the radar, again, I have no allegiance to the Texas Longhorns, but Texas has been down now for three years. Tom Herman in for a second full recruiting cycle. They've got some players back. They've got to figure out who the quarterback is. The Horns will open at Maryland, which we've documented in this segment. That, that, that now looks like a different game. What does that look like if DJ Durkin's not the coach? Um, they open the season with Tulsa at home after that, then then play USC at home. Texas might get on the map early on in the year. they got to resolve who the, the quarterback is between Illinger and also uh, Shane Buchel. Buchel was hurt for a lot of last season. They, they've got a pretty good defense. I think the Texas Longhorns, again, not necessarily a national champion chip team maybe they could contend in the big 12 again they come off a seven and six season a year ago they could be an eight or a nine win regular season team going into a bowl game i think the horns hook'em horns might be a little bit under the radar for this season kevin you think tom herman can get them rolling just real quick in the big 12 that has oklahoma and has uh west virginia with will greer and has oklahoma state what do you think I don't see why not. They have a revenge game against Maryland in that opener after they lost. They gave 51 to Maryland last year in uh, the opener. USC's a revenge game. They lost that game by three. That was a really good game out at the Coliseum last season. You know, and look, you, you get Oklahoma in, in uh, the Red River shootout. You get West Virginia at home. So I, I just think that this is a team that gets TCU at home after USC. You know, they're going to be tested. They're definitely going to be tested. But I don't see why uh, why Tom Herman can't get them going. And look, it's just like you mentioned with Dan Mullen earlier. If you get the quarterback situation figured out, then that changes a lot of things. If you don't know who your quarterback is and you're shuffling them all the time, you're going to struggle. Simple as that. Well, we'll see. And again, Bouchelle had a series of injuries um, a year ago that, that hampered him. He's the guy that looked so good, though, two years ago with Charlie Strong. Remember, they won the game with Notre Dame, and he had a couple of other big performances uh, in that season, but they ended up having a losing year anyway. Now now a losing 2017, actually the 6-6 six and six regular season in 2017. We'll see if the Texas Longhorns Uh, can bounce back and as you mentioned when we come back here prior to Labor Day weekend there are a bevy of interesting games as you mentioned Michigan and Notre Dame playing again Miami and LSU playing Alabama and Louisville playing and uh, on and on down the list with some some fascinating games to begin the first weekend of the college football season uh, including Florida State playing an ACC game on Labor Day night. Willie Taggart's debut will be against Virginia Tech, who's traditionally been very good in the ACC in a home game uh, that weekend. So we're anxious to get the college games underway. My friend, we're coming to the end of the preview show. It is not going to be long now before we have college football. That'll come first. And then week one of the NFL season will come the following week. Are you about ready for all this to get underway again for another year? Am I ready from a preparation standpoint? No. Am I ready to get it going? Yeah. I mean, you know what? It's nice to have the summer to kind of recharge a little bit, but also it's nice to get this back and have an extremely busy fall when you have college football on Saturday, you get that all cranked up, and then guess what? You turn around for NFL the next day. So, and you have games, it feels like every day of the week, except for 
Tuesday and Wednesday until you get the uh, the MAC games in, in November. But uh, for the most part, it's very exciting, and it's a very uh, busy time of year. We have a blast for sure on this show. And again, Kevin's a senior handicapper with VegasInsider.com. Tell him once more, as you always do, about the information. I gave the plug earlier in this segment, but there is tremendous information to get you ready for the season for football, college, and pro, as well as everything else, right? Absolutely. I mean, right now we're still in the midst of baseball season, but uh, we have a ton of previews. I mean, if you're if you want to catch up now on the season, we have conference previews from different writers all over for college football, division breakdowns for the NFL, and plenty of preseason previews for all these games. Now, uh, almost halfway through the preseason. But uh, if you want to skip the preseason, it's the regular season. We have those breakdowns as well, and we also have live odds on. All of uh, the NFL and college, and then obviously when basketball season comes around, the same thing. So really uh, getting busy right now at the website. You can check us out on Twitter at TwigBI. And just a lot of information for you to really consume right now to get you ready for the season. Lots of breakdowns there with VegasInsider.com. Follow this man, at V.I. Rogers. He's always funny on Twitter, too, with the quips and the, the movie references and everything else that's there. Uh, love doing this show. It is great to be back. And again, this is the preview show. And uh, we will be back as we head towards Labor Day weekend. The Three Dog Thursday will be back to predict some college football. And then we are locked in all the way through the entire college and NFL seasons, including the postseason and all the way through the Super Bowl. So it all begins at some, what, 22 or 23 weeks, I think, when it's all said and done through the Super Bowl, uh, talking nothing but football primarily here on Three Dog Thursday. My friend, thank you for previewing all of this. We'll see how much of it turns out to come to fruition uh, once the season gets underway. But I've had fun talking some football again. I got the juices flowing. I'm ready to watch some watch some games, some preseason games, maybe some old DVR games or some games from last year that were on. And the football for real will be here soon enough. Kevin, I can't wait. Thank you. We look forward to Labor Day weekend and predicting some college football underdogs at that point. All right, TJ. Let's get it going. We thank all of you for being with us as well, as well as our other guests here as part of this preview show. My thanks also to our friends at Radio Influence. Again, subscribe to the show via iTunes and Stitcher. Rate the show. Rank the show. More people will see it if you rank and uh, publicize the show and promote it. So do that as well. You can follow the show at 3 Dog Thursday on Twitter. Also, 3DogThursday.com. Follow Kevin Rogers at VI Rogers on social media as well. I'm TJ Reeves. We will be back for Labor Day weekend talking specific college football matchups and underdogs. We cannot wait for that. For now, this has been our preview show on the only show devoted exclusively to underdogs in college and pro football. It is Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Pretty obvious. You're dealing with an athletic director at Maryland that had some off-the-field problems himself when he was at Georgia. You've got a head coach that went rogue with doing things that were over-the-top, uh, humiliating, demeaning to players, which, you know, that is very small. You can be tough and you can be demanding without humiliating players. That is weak coaching. D.J. Durkin should be fired because if it happens on your watch, you can't be trusted 
to see over the class. You can't be trusted. If the trainers were negligent for not stepping in and it's their fault, you're responsible as a head coach for making sure that they do their jobs well, that they are attentive, that they are at every lockstep along the way on top of things. So trainers, medical staff, people involved should be fired because if they were usurped by the power of the athletic director and the head coach and weren't allowed to do certain things, they should have spoken up because they're medical boards, they're boards with the university you can speak up to if you feel something is wrong. Because right now there's a, a young man who died, and that's on their hands. It's on the medical staff's hands. It's on DJ Durkin's hands. It's on the athletic director's hands because there are procedures, folks, that are in place to prevent this from happening. This should not have happened. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com. 